Welcome to our second episode of Tech Talk, your podcast brought to you by Agile Lab. Agile because it's the name of an Italian company and that's how we pronounce Agile. But you can look for us on the web at agilelab.it. In the first episode, we had one great guest. So rather fittingly, in episode number two, we have two fantastic guests with us. The first one, all the way from Sweden, is Enrik Gothberg, who will forgive me for butchering the pronunciation of his name. That's good. He's, he's the CEO and founder of Daredux, a community that orchestrates organizational management and changes and is very active with uh, data-driven uh, custom uh, decision-making pro processes. Our second guest is uh, Alberto Firpo. He is the current CEO and founder of Agile Lab. So welcome to you both. And uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, data mesh. Let's start the drivers, uh, meaning data mesh is an important change in a company. And uh, what do you think the main drivers are which lead to a data mesh approach in a complex uh, corporate scenario? Or in other words, what are the main pain points uh, that led to this scenario in the project? In a real case, maybe that you're following. Enric, would you like to go first? I, I can go first. Um, for me, the, the pain points and drivers are, to some part, uh, external macro drivers, which is outside of the company, and to some some of the other pain points are very much internal. So if I talk if if I if I talk with the external drivers, so so my experience of this is actually working many years in the energy industry where I think this became clear uh, the first. So the whole energy industry is changing, right? From a, from a very linear uh, uh, value chain, uh, how we do produce energy, how we sell and, 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 and trade energy, and how we then use energy on, on the retail side. And this is changing when people are starting to build their own uh, solar panels on the house and we get prosumers and, and the whole market is actually breaking up into an ecosystem. And now I work uh, a lot with Scania and Scania is a truck manufacturer, a bus manufacturer, but when they understand the future of the world, they realize that actually we are not only, we are not here to sell trucks, we're here to participate and be a player in a transport ecosystem. So ultimately here, um, if you highlight that the whole fundamental business model in, in, in many industries is going into an ecosystem model. And then if you add to that, that we're going into a data AI first mindset and automation and optimization is core processes. You end up whether you like it or not in, in a distributed uh, environment, you end up that your data and whatever data products or data services you have needs to be able to flow inside the company and even outside the company. So on a macro level, there will be data and AI ecosystems that will underpin major industries. And I can highlight them, uh, transport, uh, intelligent water, uh, uh, we talked about energy, 
the public and health sector, how we have patient, patient data flowing, uh, even the 5G communication space. So here, this is the, a big part of this story that your industries are changing and you need to be able to share data and you need to do it and consume data that is not only that you have control over. Now, if I go inside the big companies, and, and I talked to quite really large companies like, like uh, in the energy space or, or like Scania, they are in a sense distributed today. So if I look at energy, it's very clear, right? You have, you have one part of the company, who, the P&L is around energy production. Another part is around commodity trading. Another part is network. Another part is retail. And of course, these are made more or less run in the old days, like small companies within the big company. So you have very clear domains naturally in, in these companies, right? And the same, and the same goes even in, in Scania. And, and then you take, and, and in Scania, uh, where, where, we, where I work a lot, you have both the dimension of, you know, from manufacturing domain all the way down to customer, retail and marketing domain. And then on top of that, you need to add the whole global scale. So how do I scale now and how do I share data on very granular level, uh, common data sets or common data things we do centrally that they need out in, in, you know, in Australia. And then on the other hand, uh, we, we, we need data from Australia to, to Sweden. So all this is basically how do you, how do you build architecture that fits the business uh, ultimately? Uh, and I think then we didn't call this data mesh four or five years ago in Vattenfall, but we, we talked about very similar stuff. How do we build a hotel room? How do we build a hotel lobby? I mean, like the whole lab, lobby of common data products. Hotel rooms would be like the different domains, like, like trading and, and whatever. Uh, so I think when you look at this closely, uh, the world of data is and will be more and more distributed. And ultimately, the last dimension that even enforces this even more is that you will have, you have now central data platform and you have edge. You have edge analytics. You have, we talked about IoT and now we are really moving into the next level and talking AI, OT. So, so it means that you will do compute, you will do algorithms in different places. How will we now share data in an effective way? And if we are not careful, the integration costs will completely blow up. In all our companies, integration is the biggest hurdle for speed. Integration is the, is the biggest cost, in my opinion. Uh, so how can we then work with a fundamental data sharing and integration problem? And now data mesh principles and, 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 and ideas, uh, I think, fits to this. The, the last point I want to make is also the monolithic approach that we have seen in ERP space or that we have seen in data warehouse space and to some degree, even in the big data space, it looks good in the beginning, but in a huge corporation, when this grows, super, super complex and you have, you get very big knock-on effects. Every, every small change you need to do here, how to control that in, in, an, in an enterprise environment, the knock-on effects. Um, all this talks, all this drives modularization uh, as an idea, and how then to, and how do you then translate this business idea of modularization into a concrete system architectures? And I think for me, this is data mesh uh, coming in as a savior, as a practice, yeah, as a practice, as an idea how to think about data. Well, thank you, Henrik. 
listening to you, it, it sounds very logical, uh, very easy to understand, and almost, shall I say, unavoidable as a change. Unavoidable. I, uh, th my opinion is that this is unavoidable. Distributed is unavoidable. So, so let's let's be good at doing it. Let's figure that out. But on the other hand, I also get the feeling that in practice, it's a little bit more complex than what you make it sound like. So I would like to ask uh, Alberto, on a more practical level, how does a data mesh uh, address and solve these pain points that Henrik uh, uh, cleverly pointed out for us? Yeah, sure. So basically, as Henrik said, um, the centralized model um, is not fitting anymore this need of being decentralized and scaling out. Uh, from the data perspective, data management perspective, um, during the time, uh, during the last 10, 10 or 15 years mainly, um, there had been the evolution or the, um, the growth of the need of, of having more uh, agility and more speed um, and the data lake that has been the, the, the model uh, for the last years um, is not good anymore uh, from from this perspective from this organizational perspective first of all um, so we can see the point uh, through different angles so there is the organizational perspective and then some the architectural perspective and 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 so on Starting from the organizational point of view, uh, a centralized team uh, with um, data engineers that are, are, are highly skilled from the technology perspective uh, has been good, but not good enough for, uh, for the future needs. Uh, this is just because this team is a bottleneck. Um, generally speaking, in a complex organization, does not not so much about the functional perspective, functional, me functional meaning of the, of the data. And um, actually, the other um, team involved in this process, the operational sources team, um, know more about the data, are not involved in the analytical process, process, are not in ownership, basically. And so they live well without any specific uh, um, ownership on this analytical process. Uh, the central team is, uh, has become a, a huge bottleneck uh, because they need to have a, a huge enforcement on data quality, for example, uh, in order to, to, to trust, to, to, to make trust on the, on the data from the, the external consumers. But, but this is difficult because uh, they don't specifically the meaning of the data. Um, there are some technical um, pain points to be solved uh, because they access different kind of operational sources, uh, losing the, um, the, the relational uh, model that is um, set up on the operational sources uh, in the application. And so basically, um, it will become more and more and more a, a bottleneck during the time. The business users that are the consumers uh, of the elaborated data um, Normally, they pay for that. They don't know precisely um, what they are paying for because th there is no so much transparency. Um, it's difficult to uh, subdivide the total cost of ownership of these central units. 
uh, and they are not satisfied of the result, basically, and also on the time to market. So th these are the mainly uh, average, so the, the problems um, that, we are, that we normally see uh, and that many corporates, companies have seen during the time, uh, especially when there's the need to access uh, from different countries, so multinational companies, access to data that could be at raw level um, from different kind of business users that not that has limited data and analytics competencies. And uh, so this landscape um, will become more and more complicated during the time um, because there's a need to go faster and faster from the business perspective. So uh, data mesh solves this landscape pain points uh, because the, um, the first aspect is to be decentralized and distributed from the data management perspective. Um, and this always happens when, when you need to go faster from, from the scalable standpoint. When you need to scale, generally speaking, scale a workload or whatever, uh, you need to distribute task, a task, generally speaking, through different actors. This is the basics to, to scale, basically, in every system in the world. So the, the first concept is to distribute this workload that is uh, a bottleneck through different uh, sources. So from the organizational perspective, it means that the operational sources will be in charge or in ownership um, to manage the data distribution through the company. Uh, and this is the first uh, principle uh, that address the specific pain point. Uh, obviously, there, there is also um, centralized governance that must be and remains in place in terms of uh, data cataloging, uh, data quality lineage, uh, establishing standard templates, uh, and so on. Uh, this central governance point will offer self-service functionalities to the rest of the of the company and it is very important because self-servicing around data could be adopting templates could be creating virtual data sets and different kind of functionalities will offer much more agility in terms of time to market uh, and this is a very important principle uh, to be understood uh, in order to allow uh, business users to adopt very fast um, this kind of pattern and to be more agile. Uh, obviously, there are, there are more other kind of features like uh, um, serving over ingesting, um, eliminating ETLs, so discovering and using over uh, extracting and loading, uh, publishing events or streams, uh, uh, I mean, working on flowing data uh, is very important in order to enable uh, agility when, when it is required. Uh, and so there are many specific features around that um, that solve specific pain, pain point. But generally speaking, building this ecosystem of, uh, um, of data products, this is the name of, of, the, of the basic uh, quanta of, uh, of a data mesh architecture, can enable this agility because basically we go through a distributed and decentralized pattern over a centralized one.
Okay, I'm, I'm very fascinated about this concept of a data ecosystem, but I wanted to ask Enric uh, this question. I, I have the feeling that Alberto, as a CEO, as a, the top dog, he has a very corporate-wide perspective, and it made it uh, very clear how a corporation as a whole can benefit from data mesh. But I wanted to ask Henrik, uh, how is a single uh, business unit uh, going to benefit? Or to go back to your metaphor, Alberto showed us how the hotel can improve as a whole, but how is my own room going to get better? Why should I choose data mesh when I'm focused on the well-being of my hotel room? So I, I think what we are seeing now is my problem pain point statement and, and Alberto's choice is, is really like looking at the macro perspective and then looking at the hardcore technology perspective and they are coming to the same conclusion that that in order to have interoperability, in order to have uh, uh, scaling effects, in, in order to have speed, in order to re reduce integ integration complexity, uh, in order to have people knowing what the data is all about, uh, it drives in this direction. So let me explain it now from a very concrete example. So if I go into if I go into Scania, right? I, I, do you have many different areas? For instance, we have one area which is uh, financial services. So we the, so loan and leasing and insurance within within a manufacturing business of building trucks. Now it's it's really only financial services people who knows these processes. It's only financial services people who knows this data. And basically now, in order to drive either if we talk about uh, our core operational systems, as in the past, you need to have the core workflow knowledge. The same will now go for any type of data products you do, any analytics, any reporting. So ultimately, when you flip your mindset away from technology or applications, and moving into a data-centric point of view, you realize very, very fast that the DevOps teams who is working on this from the business owner who wants the business report to the coder who can build a data pipeline, the data content becomes a first-class concern. I need to know my data in order to build the right model. If I want to build an EBIT model, what's my EBIT? I need to know exactly which data to fetch. Now, when I go and I ask IT to do this, if I don't have a domain-specific knowledge around my data, the traditional IT organization can in no way know the data content of all different data. They will know the technology. So how can then they, they have speed and understanding what is the purpose and the problem they are trying to solve with the data? They can't, they really can't. And if I take it to the next level, I need to have a GDPR outlook on this. I need to have a, a data governance outlook on this. How can the technicians who doesn't own the data or own the business problem decide if this is a riskful or compliant use of data? They can't. So we have ended up with the central model and the traditional IT supply, IT demand model, where the business now don't, they, they basically don't care. It's, it's sort of done in IT and IT is just doing it for everyone. It, this this fundamental topic of ownership on data level becomes um, a problem. Now, if I now put that to the next level, 
as long as you're working with an analog world and you're trying to computerize this analog world, you put data on top, right? Your, your old analog processes work from the, is the core, and now you use some tools. Then you go to IT and buy some tools, and, you know, fix some tools to, to do your analog process. Now, what happens when I say that my loan and leasing system is automated first? My whole process ends up dealing with ones and zeros. It means my core team, I don't have a core team that don't can't handle data anymore. My core team has the business understanding. It has my, uh, you know, my business solution owner. It has my, it has my people who are now working in their process needs to be working in the right technology. And I put to you that the business side has always worked and have have, have understanding for this by taking the data to Excel. <laughs> so the way that the business actually understands their own data and know what to do in reporting analytics has been to take it out and then massage it, massage it, massage it in Excel as an example for reporting and stuff like this. Now, I don't use Excel. Excel is gone. I use, I, I use uh, big data technologies. So my core team needs to live in these technologies. So for me, this is a natural evolution of data literacy and data and being data driven to take care of your core business when it's data and AI first. So for me, it's a very natural progression and an evolution that I in my domain needs to have control and understanding what I build. So now all of a sudden, the role of central IT versus domain IT changes. You know, domain IT is not IT, it's a cross-functional uh, team from business to technology. So we have the guys who's building the factory and building the infrastructure. So, so I, in my domain, can basically faster not work with infrastructure problems, but rather on the content of the data itself. So I then have this infrastructure as platform self-service. I have the templates. I have the scaffoldings that Central IT does. And by the way, me and my core team, I need, an, I need another warehouse, I need another data product. Very fast, I set it up. My team focus on, on, on building the core insight, the core action, the core workflow, like we do today, but we have moved from analog to, to data AI first. So that's why sort of for me, the, the main problem when we are becoming, when the world around us becomes data driven, basically the domain team needs to move into more techy stuff. That's what happens, in my opinion. So I, I don't see this as a huge, uh, I, I see this uh, once again. Well, I just follow the logic of what data AI first means. If I automate first, if I optimize first, my core process team needs to be able to take care of this in, in their domain. So it, it's this dif differentiation between factory of the whole factory and the assembly line, so to speak, the domain uh, view that I need to have. So it becomes my core business. That's the way I see it. Okay. And listen, Alberto, there are very interesting, innovative concepts like data ownership, for example. But um, from a very ignorant point of view, not to brag, but I'm rather ignorant on the subject, it's much easier to visualize the advantages of a data lake because uh, I want to work on data, it's all there. It all comes to a place where I can then fetch it when I need it. It's the hub and spoke model. 
Now, you guys are saying that this is not the most efficient and that a network works best. Can you explain to us why that is the case? Yeah, so um, I can give you some example. Also reprising uh, the last question regarding uh, the advantage of, that a, a single business unit can see upon it. Um, when you talk with um, business owners or decision makers, uh, their first um, point of view and their first uh, scope, I mean, is to go at speed. Uh, because they need to have uh, this short time to market in their initiative. Uh, they are structuring uh, their business in order to, to be fast in terms of test, learn, observe, and change. And so being faster in their life cycle, launching products like using, for example, uh, agile methods or uh, growth hacking or whatever. Um, so speed is at first, uh, basically. Um, and this is not, I mean, this is the first scope that, that they normally want to want to reach uh, from, their per, from their perspective. Uh, when you have this uh, centralized uh, platform, as I said before, uh, it's difficult to, to reach this kind of, 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 of objective, of scope, because you have a, uh, a stiff team working for everybody that is not really dedicated uh, to specific uh, kind of initiatives. Um, normally, the interaction between these business guys uh, through this centralized team is not so uh, seamless because uh, they talk they talk a different language. Uh, business talk business-wise. Otherwise, central team talks technology-wise and they don't understand precisely what we are talking about. This is the definition of what domain it is. Normally, a technology guide defines domain, identifying a specific open, um, specific uh, operational source, technology source, like for example, taking the data from SAP or SAP or uh, Oracle or whatever. Uh, but business not understand anything about that. They 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 talk business wise, and so this this is the first kind of uh, friction uh, that normally becomes a pain after the time. Uh, so generally speaking, um, this is the first pain point to be solved. Uh, then there are many other side problems, like for example, um, having this proliferation of technologies and having some in some in some cases, uh, like kind of shadow IT uh, initiatives because why because business wants to be fast want to be self-service want to use managed services want want to be uh, very fast in their initiative they want to pay as they go um, and so this kind of um, uh, servitization uh, I mean kind of services that they normally consume um, does not fit so much uh, with a centralized uh, kind of uh, IT service that normally is provided in a, in a huge corporate. Um, this becomes worse when that, the, data, the data lake specifically uh, is built on-premise uh, with, uh, I mean, some kind of legacy uh, technologies. 
uh, or DVH or something like that is even worse because uh, in these cases, IT teams are slower uh, in providing this kind of uh, um, agility that is required from, from the business perspective. Uh, so this kind of frictions, uh, uh, obviously, in a complex organization, when there are many business units that have basically the same needs, uh, it, it becomes a bottleneck because uh, everything goes through um, a single centralized team that, that is not able to serve, um, I mean, for this, this kind of, uh, of requests uh, at the time. Um, and so, um, if, if we observe that in, in a huge corporate, uh, many business guys uh, want, wants to be independent from, uh, or mainly decoupled from uh, the, the IT, uh, because they, they don't find this kind of agility uh, that they require and that they need for, for their business. So, um, this is basically the scope that is in place and uh, the pain points that uh, we can observe talking with our customers or seeing uh, these events running through the time. Okay, well, thank you very much, Alberto. Thank you very much, uh, Enrich. I think that uh, we can conclude this uh, first episode with you guys uh, having talked about the pain points and how Data Mesh uh, solves them. In the next episode, I would like to talk to you about uh, organizational change and how to facilitate the adoption. I think it will be very interesting, so I suggest to all of our viewers uh, to subscribe to the channel and ring the bell icon so you get notified as soon as the new episode is out.